Thank you. So it's the first semester of graduate school for me, and I am going to be a sociologist. And I've never been one before. I've never even taken a class in sociology, and I probably couldn't have defined, I'm 100% sure I could not have defined what sociology was. Um, why they let me into the PhD program is a total, it's a story for another day, but suffice to say, they knew that I didn't know anything about sociology. I knew that I didn't, but I was sure that this was going to be, you know, the start of a, a long life um, to be proud of. And even though I didn't feel confident about sociology, I knew that I was really good at doing school. A lifetime of straight A's made me confident that I could do school. So I did. I did pretty well, right? First semester goes smoothly. My grades are good. I'm getting to know people. End of my first year. I'm feeling um, settled in. I'm friends with my cohort mates and even some folks in cohorts above me. And we're having dinners at each other's houses and, you know, getting together to work on projects. And one of my faculty members has invited me to be a research assistant on his grant for over the summer. And I'm just feeling really good. And um, so I don't have anyone in my life who's ever been in a PhD program before, so I didn't know to expect this. But one day, toward the end of the second, the end of the year, um, I get this big packet of papers, and it turns out that the department requires every faculty member to write a written evaluation of every graduate student um, in their courses to document their progress in the program. So it's kind of like this big fat stack of papers, like a big fat report card. But I'm like, well, oh, okay. I mean, I already got my grades on my transfer. Like I got my report card, but all right, you know, feedback is good. And it's very formal. There's like a big note on the top that says, keep, retain this for your records. And every professor had to write their own thing with the cover sheet where they signed it and dated it. And I had to sign it and date it to acknowledge that I received it or read it. Maybe I had to promise I read it. I don't know. And the chair had to sign it and date it. And they, you know, eventually were going to give me these copies. Anyway, very formal. So I sit down to read it. <clears throat> and um, I'm not really surprised by the things in there. You know, I'd already gotten feedback from each class. And so that was the standard stuff. Lisa's new to this. She's working really hard and she, you know, she shows some promise, but she's new, you know, she doesn't, she's not already good at this, that kind of a statement. And my writing overall was good, but you know, I needed to learn more about how to align an argument with some evidence and, you know, some stuff that I just didn't know how to do well. And so this is going along. And then I read, um, I read the evaluation from my first semester statistics class. I'm no statistician, but I had enjoyed the class, and it's the shortest one of all. And um, she said some of the standard stuff, and then she wrote something surprising. She wrote um, that I was essentially very good at this, and she wrote that um, my analysis of the data and um, the statistical tools was careful and nuanced and that I was more adept at this and more adept at research design than most students at my stage. And my heart sank. And I thought, oh, no. 
She doesn't know who I am. Maria Charles, I adored her. She was wonderful in the classroom and, um, you know, encouraging and kind, but also really knew her stuff. And I just admired her so much. And, and there it was so painfully clear that she had me confused with someone else. She, she thought that the name Lisa Nunn was attached to some other person in the class. Because, I mean, obviously that was not about me. And I just did not know what to do with this information. Um, I felt like, am I supposed to ethically? Ethically, am I supposed to bring this? I, thought, oh, the, I have to sign it, right? It's like going to my permanent file. She has to sign it. The chair has to sign like, is, is it unethical if I don't bring it to their attention that she's made that, like, whatever she really thinks about me is going to go accidentally in someone else's file. And I decide to do nothing. And I'm grappling with that and I tell no one and I take this wad of papers right after I've signed them and whatever and like put them in this file folder it's 2003 so it's a file folder <laughs> full of papers and um I avoided Maria Charles for a couple years after that in the hallways around the department um I would see her go in to a talk and I would go in several minutes later on purpose to make sure that I could find a seat knowing where she's already sitting. I could find a seat somewhere else. If I heard her voice, I would navigate, you know, around the other corner because I did not want her to be confronted with the re with this realization that um, people were calling me Lisa, right? And I was worried about myself being found out because, like, I was, I surely was going to be in trouble. But I was really worried about witnessing that moment when Maria Charles's face would register her mistake, right? When she, why are you calling her Lisa? Wait, what? Right? I, I just did not want to have to witness that. So I know now that this is called imposter syndrome, right? And I read about that in a book many years ago. And Amy Cuddy has that great TED Talk about power poses and fake it till you make it. And she gives this really great bit about her own experience, also graduate school, of imposter syndrome. And I, that's one of my favorite TED Talks. But I had never really applied, I'd never really put together that, that I had had that experience. Because it turns out Maria Charles did know who I was. Years later, right, do you know, she was talking about me. <laughs> Turns out. Um, but it wasn't until a handful of years ago, just a few years, I mean, I don't even know when this was, but I'm in a meeting and we're brainstorming ideas. Ariella was actually in that meeting. Um, first generation students. I'm now a scholar of belonging, right? This is my work. So first generation students are my target population to study. And I have just not ever put together like what this experience was or how to name it or think about it. And we're brainstorming and it pop just pops up crystal clear in my mind like, oh, right, yeah. A whole year I avoided a graduate school professor, you know? And um, it took me 15 years to be able to be ready to process that. It had just sat there somewhere, hidden. I told no one. 
I didn't tell my intimate partner who knew everything about what was going on in my life. I didn't tell my family, my best friends. I just sat with it, like locked that cabinet. And it took 15 years to be ready for that to just kind of pop up and make sense and to feel okay about it, right? And that's... Uh, for me, this is part of the moral of the story about belonging, right? Imposter syndrome is this classic example of people who don't feel like they belong and whose insecurities or lack of sense of belonging are actually sabotaging their you know, success and their ability to um, do the things they're trying to pursue. And if you would have asked me in that moment whether or not I belonged, I would have said yes. I've got friends here. I'm... I'm I was just invited to be a research assistant on this project. I'm doing fine. I would have, I, I, the thing, the funny thing about belonging, maybe as a way to phrase it, is that you can have it and not have it at exactly the same time. Thank you. <laughs>